Welcome to Hillside's Equipping Podcast. My name is Belinda Dunn, and I'm the Equip Lead here at the church. This year, our church is reading through 11 books of the Old Testament, which move God's plan of redemption forward and help us understand the New Testament better. Please join us each month as two of our leaders discuss one of these books and how it points us to Jesus. Hello, everybody. My name is Carlton Triplett. I am the tech lead here at Hillside Fellowship, and I am here with Amber. Uh, Amber, why don't you introduce yourself really quick for the listeners here today? My name is Amber Davis. I've been here at Hillside for going on six years. I am on staff here as part of the administration team, but I also do a lot of work with the Women's Equip Ministry, um, helping teach Bible study and and lead out with, with the Bible study planning. Wow. How has that been um, taking on such a, a hefty role like that, teaching and leading and doing those things in the women's equipment ministry? It's been a challenge, um, challenge just because of the busyness, yes, but I think that especially the teaching role, I find that God has really grown me and stretched me every time I'm prepping to teach. So it's not just work being done, busy work, but there's a lot of spiritual work going on too. So it's definitely been a stretching time since I've taken on that role. Wow. And so, you know, you saying that really uh, kind of makes me chuckle inside because the topic for today is is numbers which, you know, I've read numbers before, and and really it's easy to kind of sometimes get buried in the numbers that are presented in that book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it definitely will stretch you both mentally and spiritually (laughs) sometimes to try to uh, wean what God is really speaking there. So uh, let's talk about that. So, you know, I mentioned it a little bit a second ago, what exactly will you be discussing today? And how has that stretched you? The reason I actually chose the book of Numbers, I was kind of drawn to that when I first started coming to Hillside. I had never really studied the Old Testament at all. And Belinda Dunn, who was the women's ministry lead, had done a Bible study on Joshua. And so once I did that, like that blew my mind wide open to the Old Testament. And so I just dug in, started at the beginning in Genesis and started reading through. And it was like this epic movie because God's the best storyteller, right? And a side note, I was part of the Census Bureau back when I was a teen. And so that census taking was kind of intriguing to me, but I did it in a town of like 25,000 people. And this was on a scale of more like two and a half to three million people. So I just can't imagine Moses having to do a task like that um, and organize all these men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also intrigued by the fact that these people had been delivered by the Lord, right? Like they had just come out of the Exodus, they would walk through the Red Sea, and here they are complaining and completely rebelling against the Lord. And I just kind of wrap my head around that. And that's, that's where I realized that numbers is really, it's a mirror, right? Because I've done the same thing. I won't put that on anybody else. But I've done the same thing. I've seen him work, I've seen him come through, and then I'll find myself grumbling and complaining and thinking, all right, Lord, where are you? When are you going to show up? Yeah. So basically what you're saying is the book of Numbers is not just about numbers. No. There's a storyline that flows through it, huh? Yes, there is. Let's talk about that. What exactly is that storyline? Tell me about that because, you know, I know I've struggled reading it sometimes, just Mm -hmm. trying to find exactly what God is, is saying there. And sometimes I've had to go back two and three times before just to find out what exactly uh, the Spirit is trying to speak there. So what is the storyline there, and and how does it uh, kind of fit into the larger story of Israel's history? 
Well, in the first, you know, the first chapters one through nine, it's kind of a continuation of Exodus. And it's talking about the time that they were out at Mount Sinai getting ready to go into the promised land. But then when you look at the back half, it's really talking about the journey itself. And so that's the overall storyline that I really focused on is that journey to the promised land. And we get to see how many were going. They got the instructions on how they were going to get there. And then we get told what's happened along the way. And it's so important for the history of Israel because during that time the 12 tribes got established we get to see that that promise fulfilled that God had given Abraham of having the land um, we know that later in the story Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah and so it just gives us um, this more full picture of how the people and Christ came to be but it also gives us a picture of what it looks like to be in relationship with the Lord it gives us a picture of his his hatred of sin his judgment but also his mercy um, and just like the Israelites we've been in rebellion against God and he made a way for us to be reconciled to him and he made a way for us to make it to our promised land and so I just think it's a great tie to, to the journey we're on today Wow, that, that's amazing. You know, just kind of thinking back on reading through the book of, of Numbers, uh, like you just spoke on, the, the redemption aspect of mm-hmm. things is really mind-boggling because, you know, I understand that, you know, the children, children of Israel did a lot of things that really just kind of, you know, looking back on it, it really didn't make a lot of sense. You know, they they saw God, they experienced God, they experienced all these miracles, mm-hmm. but yet they rebelled, and yes. and yet they found themselves just kind of walking around in the wilderness aimlessly. But even through all of that, God still redeemed, God still used them, yes. and he never turned their backs on them. And so that just kind of brings me to, you know, my next question, just about the theme and the message of numbers. What What is it that... Um, I, you believe that God is really saying in that book, not only to the children of Israel, but to us today, you know, as we can read and learn from those stories. I drew out a couple of different themes. I think the major overarching theme is their rebellion and that subsequent judgment that God places on them. If you were to look at the small theological picture, like Pastor Dave puts it, it's plain and simple sin destroys right Mm -hmm. and so when we we saw that start in genesis and because of their sin adam and eve had a, a life that was marked by difficulty and then in exodus as we're moving through that story of redemption we see them kind of in the throes of that that difficulty but god you know rescues them and then in here Well, let me step back for just a second. If we thought about last week, Allison Weeks pointed out that in Exodus, God had revealed a characteristic of himself, right? That he wants us to know him. So in Numbers, as he's walking along with us in the difficulty, he's revealing another facet of his character. He wants us to know that he's with us in the midst of the difficulty. And that portable tabernacle, when you read the book of Numbers, it signifies that that God and the people are actually moving together. Um, another theme that I brought out um, during my time of study was that we've all had seasons of wilderness. Um, there's a study by Lauren Chandler. Her husband's one of the pastors at the Village Church, and in it she references this quote that says, not all who wander are lost. And that really resonated with me as a, 
as a previous hiker and uh, that's something that you, you see a lot a in the hiking yes i was a park ranger <laughs> nice. and i loved hiking nice but that was a common you know bumper sticker whatever that you would see but looking at it in this context it really resonated with me because even though they were wandering for 40 years they were not lost mm-hmm. they were actually right where god intended them mm-hmm. to be and he was taking them exactly where he wanted them to go wow oh my god i can totally totally relate to that um now i'm pretty sure a lot of texans here can relate to what i'm about to say i felt like a couple years ago when i was in los angeles um living there for a few years i felt like i was in a wilderness really um just kind of wandering around i i was doing a lot of things god had taken me through a lot of things but looking back on it a lot of days i think those were probably my darkest days Mm. and darkest years just in my life Although I did have some pretty amazing experiences, um, but just kind of thinking back on it, I remember feeling like, you know, where is God mm-hmm. in a lot of it? Um, but just as you just spoke, also when I really think and pray about it all, I feel like not only were those some of my darkest days, God really brought me to a place that was closer to Him than I think I've ever been before. And it's really prepared me for a lot of the things that I'm experiencing now, and I believe in my future. And and in that, the biggest thing that I've really focused on is that life is not just about how I, you know, can, what I can get out of things, but really how I can focus on Christ the savior of my life. And so I want to ask you in that, you know, how does the book of Numbers really point to Christ? Even so early in the Bible, so early in the New Testament, um, there's got to be some tie. There's got to be a reason why this is in the canon. Why why is Numbers of all books chosen to be Hmm. here? And how does it pertain to Christ and his coming? Uh, There's actually several glimpses of Christ in the book of Numbers, which I think is so great. One of the first glimpses that I saw where I made the tie was how God was using these miracles, right? And we saw that Jesus did that in his years of ministry. He would use those miracles to get people to trust him and to bring about belief. And then there was also, you know, when God was with them and, and he that fire that that light was an expression of god's presence right and then there's jesus who says i am the light of the world Mm. we also see in in the later chapters where moses is holding the snake on the pole and if people look upon that and believe that they'll be saved right that plague would end Mm -hmm. and so that's a foreshadow of christ on the cross and when people believe in him they shall be saved Mm. another one um was that interim use of priests and sacrifices and cleansing which ultimately points us to our high priest who um, cleanses us forever by his blood and his sacrifice on the cross Mm. and it in Numbers 24, 15 through 19, it points out that rise of the, the Davidic monarchy, right, where that era is going to come in. And ultimately, and that points to Jesus. If you were to read those verses, it says, A star shall come from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel, and shall crush through through the forehead of Moab. And that just made me think right back to Genesis 3, right, where mm-hmm. he's talking about crushing the head of the serpent. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It. All of those things, those, you know, ties back to Christ just mean so much to me, and I'm sure our listeners too. But one of the things that I'm reminded of is that scripture um, in Isaiah that says, by his stripes we're yes. healed. Um, and when you speak of the serpent on the, on the staff, 
you know, I'm reminded of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross and those that gazed upon him. Um, And even as we gaze upon him in our hearts, um, we're saved through faith in that. And what you're basically saying to us is that even the children of Israel, it wasn't just about the rules and the laws and regulations. They still had their faith that they had to lean on and that God expected of them. Can you speak a little bit about that? Just dig a little deeper about the faith aspect of of even those prior to Christ and how they re- that related to God and their relationship through faith. Well, I think on the faith aspect, right, like they're getting these instructions to do things that, that they don't completely understand, to go places that are completely unknown to them, to have um, promises that they may not even see fulfilled in their generation, like Abraham, right? And so mm-hmm. they had to step out in faith, believing that God would say what he would would do what he said he would do, that mm-hmm. his word would prove true, whether they got to see it or not. Yeah. And so they got to hear, you know, all of these, you know, in the Old Testament, all these prophecies about Christ, but they didn't see him. They just believed yeah. that he would be coming, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that's a huge um, testament to their faith as well. You know, if the Lord was like, hey, I'm going to take you across the desert and we're going to this promised land, yeah. but, you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I would respond to that. You yeah. know, I don't even respond well <laughs> to the unknown in my own life. Yeah. So. Oh, man. That, you know, and I personally have not even considered that, you know, how much faith they really actually needed to exhibit even then. You know, yeah. they had the fire in front of them, they had the manna from heaven, but yet and still they had the realities of the struggles. God never removed a struggle from them, yeah. He never removed the wilderness from them. And uh, they still needed faith, you know, and they didn't have the scriptures of, of Christ, the, the, the history and the, the written things that we now have that we can wean from. So, yeah, even then they needed yes. faith, you know, they were saved through their faith. And wow, that's an amazing, uh, amazing takeaway. And on that note, I want to ask you, what were your some of your key takeaways from the book of Numbers? I think one of the the biggest takeaways I took away was do everything without grumbling and complaining, right? We've heard Mm -hmm. that verse from Philippians a million times, but this really kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah. Um, When we, it just made me think about when I move my eyes from what I don't, what I have to what I don't have, it really just creates a spirit of dissatisfaction. And one of the, the resources that I was using, I came across this quote, and I'll share it with you. It says, the path to open rebellion begins with dissatisfaction and skepticism, then moves to grumbling about God and present circumstances. Next comes bitterness and resentment, followed finally by rebellion and open hostility. And I that just struck me like where we we kind of justify and minimize grumbling and complaining. Mm-hmm. And here we just see how it totally affected the outlook of the the Israelites and numbers, how it affected their outlook of God. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want that ever to play out in my life wow. in that way. But I also saw, too, that God really works in the waiting, right? Mm-hmm. He's all throughout Scripture. He uses those in-between times as a training ground. And so they're in this waiting period going, you know, from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. But during that time, he was doing so many things. He was preparing the priests. He was teaching them how to 
do the sacrifices and the cleansing. Mm-hmm. He was um, giving them the law. They were setting up the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. They were getting organized. And and then he was using those difficulties that they were experiencing while they were wandering to turn their hearts back to him. So it just really reminded me that even in my seasons of waiting, God's doing the work mm-hmm. and he can see much more than I can see. Um, another takeaway is that uh, we weren't guaranteed an easy life, right? <laughs> Christians are not exempt from difficulty. Pastor David said it in one of his sermons, and it just really stuck with me that the hard things reveal the heart things, and mm. God uses those, right, yeah. to reveal what's going on in our hearts. And so he revealed to them their sin and rebellion. I mean, a whole generation suffered for that, right? Yeah. But that just reminds me of how good of a father he is, because a good father disciplines his children Hmm. and teaches and trains them. And so it's just been exciting to look through the book of Numbers and be reminded what a good father that he is and how how he disciplines me and how he shows mercy are all just evidences of his love towards me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, And it's amazing that you hit on those three things, you know, the grumbling and uh, the waiting and then the discipline, I feel like all three of those things just kind of collectively work together um, because in the waiting, you tend to grumble. Mm-hmm. And when you grumble a bit too much to where you start to rebel, God has to bring about yes. the discipline. Um, and hopefully it's discipline to bring you back to him, uh, not you turning your back on him. But it's one thing to really think about this in the uh, the framework of Israel, mm-hmm. but I'd like to ask you, Amber, how has those three elements, the, the grumbling, the waiting, the discipline, how's that played out in any spati- uh, particular or specific scenario in your life? Uh, specifically, when I think about the wilderness, um, my I was listening to your story from L.A., and when I first moved here, I really felt like God had just picked me up and dropped me in the middle of what was the total desert, right? Mm-hmm. I had nobody. I didn't know anybody. We weren't even here at Hillside yet. And so I had just begun asking the Lord. And so this was a favorable <laughs> outcome. Um, I had just begun asking the Lord, like, Lord, I cannot do this by myself. I need community. And I had come from a very small church. And sure enough, he brought us here to Hillside. And I had asked him to to bring me a family. And he did that in abundance by bringing me here with all the women in the ministry, all of the staff team. And so that was kind of a uh, favorable outcome of my my wilderness wandering. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say with grumbling and complaining, I found it. Uh, easy to Mm -hmm. grumble and complain about the hardships of marriage and um, parenting, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, those are not easy, no matter what you do. And so um, there was a moment where I was reading through the book of Hebrews, and the Lord loudly and plainly was like, there was a verse in Hebrews where it says, you know, don't harden your hearts today. And quit complaining. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, and thankfully, um, that really sunk deep into my heart, and I was able to repent right away. But I've I've had the necessary discipline, too. There were seasons of a lot of unhealth where my, my sin had brought about a lot of unhealth in my body and mm-hmm. in relationships. We know that sin doesn't just affect us, right? It affects wow. everybody around us. Yeah. And so I had to walk through 
broken relationships, a broken body, and what it looked like to reconcile those as well. Wow. And so he, um, I felt the heaviness of his hand during that time, but I also felt his mercy because he eventually did bring about restoration and he's brought about a lot of health in my life even mm-hmm. um, to restore that. So it's been wonderful. Wow. You know, and that's really beautiful to hear you say because, you know, it hearing the testimonies like that, I believe, really help us to be able to put ourselves in those situations that we read about. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can read into those stories that, hey, maybe those are the people in the Bible. They responded better than what we can respond, you know, today. Right. Um, but it really is real. We can respond just as well and sometimes just as, you know, <laughs> bad, for lack of a better word, yeah. as those that we read about, which really reminds me of what, I have sometimes felt like was a contradiction, but I know it's not. You know, I'm reminded of in the book of Matthew when Jesus says uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, be perfect for my Father in heaven is perfect. But at the same time, we're told that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith. And and so I want to ask and present to you just that idea, like what does it really look like? Because I know when we read about Israel and how they grumbled in, in the wilderness, they still, you know, they needed God's, you know, salvation um, and his redemption, even despite their, you know, their misbehaving, so to speak. So what does it look like to be in a situation where you're in the wilderness, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling desperate, and you do find yourself grumbling? Is there any hope? Is there any, you know, uh, redemption in that? How, how does God really expect for us to conduct ourselves behaviorally? Um, And what happens when we do, you know, fail to really live up to what God has really called us to, which is that perfection that, you know, those those laws that they really had to walk through. You know, is there is there a contradiction or is there something deeper that God really wants us to understand about his grace? I think it's definitely much deeper in understanding God's grace. It seems like a contradiction. And I think because we as humans get tied up in the doing, right, Mm -hmm. it's easier to to make our checklists and get to work than it is to rely on the Lord and be dependent on the Lord because we all want to be our own masters of our own kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of our sin nature. But I think um, in seasons of grumbling and complaining, the hope is that that even though we can't be perfect, Jesus is, mm-hmm. and we can look to him um, because we know he's going to complete the good work that he's doing within us, right? Yes. So even when we fall down and we stumble and we find ourselves grumbling and complaining, his kindness calls us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And so we can repent and start again, yep. and knowing that he's going to keep working on those things through the Holy Spirit within us. And so that's just been really comforting because I can get mad at myself and be like, why are you doing that again? Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> But I think that the other hope, too, is to think, like, we're headed towards a promised land. This place is temporary. Mm -hmm. All of these things that we're grumbling and complaining about are not going to last forever. And so it's having that kingdom outlook, Mm -hmm. you know, looking forward. I think that really helps. And having that heart of gratitude. When when you're thankful for what Jesus has done, the outpouring of what comes out of you is not grumbling and complaining. It's gratitude. And then from that, because of your gratitude and love for Jesus, the works just naturally follow because it's an overflow of what's in your heart. It's not because you have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you end up doing the works out of 
the love and the gratitude that you have for Jesus. Wow. Oh, my God. That's that's powerful. So basically what you're saying to us is that we're not trying to please God with our works. We're trying to love God through our gratitude. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and that's that, a great way of saying it. It's, it's, it's so powerful to to know that, you know, because when, when I think about relationships with my children or with my wife and things mm-hmm. of that nature, I know we're not always perfect in those things. But our love for each other is really what makes us want to show each other, yes. through, whether it's through gifts or, or spending time. And really, that's exactly what God expects of us. If we say we love him, show, show it, it. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not so much being perfect. No. It's the striving. It's the press. You know, it's pressing towards the mark of the call of the high, uh, of the prize of the high calling. It's yes. understanding that, as Paul said, you know. I may do these things that I don't want to do because I'm in the flesh, but I have salvation in Christ or there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And and I love that. I love that idea through gratitude is how we really show our allegiance and love to Christ. I love that. Well, and he even says it in Psalms, too, you know, make make your sacrifice an offering of praise, an Mm. offering of thanksgiving. Yes. And so I just love that because, I mean, what we don't have anything really that we can offer him but we can give him our hearts hmm. like all of this is his to begin with yes but we we can freely give him our hearts and so i just love that and paul said it so good he, he said you know walk worthy of the of the calling the that's calling. been placed on your life mm-hmm. and so i think for those that have been given much you know there's you know a lot expected of us as christians mm-hmm. but how could we not you know after what jesus has done yeah we're the light of the world. Yes. That's what he says. Well, I think that's a great way to close out our discussion today. Okay. Do you have any final words you'd like to deliver? Or I sure don't. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carlton. It's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Amber. Stay tuned for next month's episode going over the book of Joshua with Belinda Dunn and Dana Schamberger.